0: Welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation Podcast. For ScarletNation.com with the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Bobby Darren talking Rutgers basketball. Thank you for joining us. An exciting time of the year for Rutgers basketball. Uh, going on a three-game run, a three-game winning streak. Rutgers is 13-10 and 10 now. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, the season was going to be, uh, you know, maybe they make it to 500. Maybe they don't. Now we're talking NCAA tournament possibility. Still a long way off. Eight games remaining on the schedule. Four at home, four on the road. But, you know, a lot to talk about. And uh, Chris Sakonis joins me. He's been in every game so far at home. Um,
1: Chris, uh, Rutgers potentially making the tournament. Did you think we'd be having this conversation a few weeks ago? No, I didn't. And I have to say the biggest thing that has stood out to me, and and I'm not the first person to say this, of course, but, you know, I I saw Jeremiah Williams in practice before the year. I knew he was a good addition, best uh, transfer addition I don't know if I thought he was going to be this good. I mean, you look at the, what Rutgers has been like since he came back, and, and it's just a completely different team, you know, not just in terms of win losses with a 3 and 0 record since he returned, uh, but also just the way Rutgers looks. Just a lot more fluid on offense, you know, a lot less uh, forcing up bad shots, you know, just more efficient. Um, of course, he can score a, a healthy amount, but he also rebounds. He's a good playmaker. He just brings a little bit of everything uh, to a backcourt that was really sort of lacking that. Um, so I, I think when you take that into consideration, you know, it kind of makes sense that Rutgers is sort of creeping its way back into the NCAA tournament conversation. And, um, you know, this is a pivotal stretch here for Rutgers to see if, you know, the Scarlet lights can capitalize on that and and make the NCAA tournament or even the NIT, which, you know, week and a half ago, we were sitting here at two and seven and, you know, I, I thought the NIT was even going to be a stretch. So I think that's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting stretch coming up here.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Jeremiah. I'm, it's amazing. You know, some guys can be good players and put up numbers, but really good players make their teammates better. And I think that's what you've seen. He's just elevated everybody else's play. The energy he brings to the floor, the defensive pressure, the size he brings in the backcourt. I, I, you just have to love to watch the way he plays. I mean, I love his game. Um, he has just changed the dynamic of this team so much, and just brought out the best in all the other players. And, and, and Chris, you know, we're, 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 you know, still a long way off. There's eight games left. Rutgers is 13 and 10, but momentum is a funny thing in college sports. You know, a team gets gets a hold of some momentum and starts Believe in, and, and anything's possible. And if you look at the final eight games, Chris, uh, it's it, there's a lot of winnable games in there. I mean, it, you look at it, and you know you're hosting. Um, Northwestern on Thursday, it's a tough game, but Rutgers is matches up well with Northwestern. The rack is becoming what, um, excuse me, Jersey Mike's arena is becoming what it's been. And it's a really daunting and tough place for opponents to play. So, uh, four games left Rutgers is 10 and three at home. And, you know, now that they have Jeremiah running the show, uh, You know, you have to think they could win all those home games, you know, uh, looking at the schedule now also play Maryland at home, Michigan at home and Ohio State at home. I mean, you get through Northwestern and those other three games should be wins, Chris.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the first step uh, on Rutgers uh, NCAA tournament potential path is, you know, you've got, like you said, Bobby, uh, you know, four home games left. You got Northwestern, Maryland, Michigan and Ohio State. You know, you have to win those four, I think, uh, to be in the picture. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the road games, you've got three of your four remaining road games, uh, Purdue, Nebraska, and Wisconsin, are quad one right now. And Rutgers is lacking in quad one wins. Right now, uh, as we're recording this tonight, um, quad one record for Rutgers, is one and eight. Seton Hall dropped back down into quad two after losing to Villanova. Now, they're right on the edge of that there, the Pirates. So they could go back up to quad one by the time selection. Sunday rolls around, so that's by no a given. But even in that case, two and eight in quad one. You know, that is the glaring spot on Rutgers' resume, I think, in addition to the loss to Penn State. So Rutgers is going to have to find a way to pick up more quad one wins. So um, Mm -hmm. I think at the very least, you win one, ideally two of those three quad one games that remain out of Purdue, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. You know, Purdue obviously would be the biggest one uh, currently, you know, top one, top two team, depending on the metric. uh, If you're looking at it, uh, where Purdue is at the moment. I think if you get that, um, that gives you a little more leeway. But, you know, you need to pick up quad one wins if you're Rutgers. And if you don't win at least one of those three games, you're not going to be the NCAA tournament. But if you do, you know, that opens up a lot of possibilities. And I think that is is really the other step and arguably the harder step for Rutgers. Yeah. And, you know, I've
0: contended that six and two the rest of the way should get them in. And that would give them one quad one win, uh, you know, if they won six of the eight, whether they lose, you know, uh, to whomever they, they'll they get, you know, at least one quad uh, one win in there. Another one, I should say, I mean, a, B, a win over Purdue, I think that would really be uh, monumental, but, uh, you know, Purdue's a tough team. It's a tough matchup this year, but a 19 and 13 Rutgers team, uh, you know, if, if if that was the case, Chris, you'd see this team win nine of their last 11 games. And, you know, one of the criteria for being left out last year was the fact that Rutgers was playing poorly. That the you know, one of the selection committee members came out and said that, you know, since Bag went down last year, Rutgers wasn't the same team. Well, you know what? This year With Jeremiah Williams, Rutgers is not the same team since it was in the beginning of the year. So if they're going to use that criteria against them last year, I think you have to use the adverse this year and saying, wow, this is one of the hottest teams in a Big Ten that is really not that great this year. And let's not forget, the Big Ten has not had the greatest track record in the NCAA tournament in recent years. So if you take the hottest team at that time and, and leave them out of the tournament, you're setting it up maybe for the same you know, the scenario to play out with the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament. Why not put that hot team in there and see if they can, you know, lend some credibility to the conference in the NCAA tournament, Chris?
1: Yeah, so I agree and I disagree. Let me explain why. That I think if it comes down to Rutgers being in that area where they were last year, where it's right on the edge of, you know, last four in, first four out, then I do think that argument pushes Rutgers over the top because you know the NCAA tournament's going to say, hey. You know, this is a team that's really hitting its stride at the right time, has very much played at a tournament-caliber level, and Rutgers has been on the metrics a top 20 uh, team uh, in the metrics since Jeremiah Williams came back. Granted, it's a three-game sample size, but you know, if Rutgers is roughly in that area down the stretch, I think that's going to be a compelling argument. If Rutgers is slightly out of that, though, I don't think that pushes them over, and I think the biggest thing that's hurting Rutgers in that regard is not necessarily what Rutgers has done per se – but the fact that the big 10 is not quite the eight or nine bid league that it's been the last few years. You know, I'm looking at the uh, Bart Torbic uh, tournament percentage projections right now. You've got one team that's a hundred percent, which is Purdue. You've got uh, Illinois, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan state, which are both in the high nineties percentage wise. And you've got two bubble teams, Northwestern at 68%, Nebraska at 37%. Um, so, you know, right there, that is six teams. So even if all six of them get in and then you put Rutgers in at 7, you know, that could be I think that's the limit uh, of where the Big 10 could be, I think. I don't see it as being more of a 7 bid league. So I think that if Rutgers is going to get in, it's going to have to maybe get a win or two more than it maybe would have needed last year if that makes sense. I don't think mm-hmm. that Big 10 teams that win 10-11 conference games are going to get the same benefit of the doubt that Maybe they did a couple of years ago. I think that that is what's hurting Rutgers is not necessarily Rutgers per se, but the teams that they're playing against, the teams they have left on their schedule. Like I said, only three quad one opportunities left, you know, two, three years ago it felt like Rutgers was playing a quad one team every night. Um, so the opportunities aren't quite what they were. But having said that, you know, uh, you look at. Um, I think it's a bit of a similar situation, although the win-loss record wasn't quite the same. It was two years ago, that team that ended up making it to the first four in Dayton that last year with uh, Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. And that whole group, Um, you know, that team was pretty much out of the NCAA tournament picture in early February, went on a tear, finished the season hot, and then ultimately ended up in. So I do think Rutgers could be, if they get the job done down the stretch, I do think Rutgers could be in the mix there.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll counter you with it with the, you know, there's been eight teams minimum in the big in the tournament uh, in recent years. I, I didn't even go back the last four years. They used to have some nine teams in there. And and I think the prestige of that conference will allow them to get a minimum of seven until I see uh, less than eight. You know, I, I still think come tournament time that that some of those schools might get the benefit of the doubt. It's just it's the Big Ten. You know, it's a major conference. Um you know, it, it makes for an interesting conversation. But, um, you know, the league was cons- – I thought the league was down last year and it still had eight teams in. So, um, you know, still a lot to play out, but I, I, I'd i say a minimum of seven get in there. I'd be surprised if it wasn't eight just because of, of the trend and the history and, and, and just what's happened in recent years. But um, nevertheless, Chris, we, we, there's going to be a, a, an exciting run here to the finish. And even if they don't make the tournament, I think it's important to – look at the upgrade in play that Jeremiah Williams has brought to this team. And this is a guy that's going to be playing alongside Ace Bailey and Dylan Harper next year. And and it it could really be a nice compliment to those two guys. You know, I I don't know who's going to come back or who's going to be in the front court. Um, But just the fact that he's doing as well as he is now with this team, you can only imagine what he'll do with those two guys.
1: Yeah. And I think that is, probably the most reassuring thing in terms of the long term here because look you know, we all know how special of a talent dylan harper is and how special of a talent ace bailey is and i think my big concern looking at that group you know in the long view was who's going to be around them what experienced players are going to be around them and we don't have a full picture of what the roster is going to look like you know with college basketball being the way it is but i think a backcourt uh, duo of dylan harper and jeremiah williams starting and then of course you know other pieces like michael davis uh Derek simpson and the like obviously fit around that but i think that duo is uh, pretty promising and pretty dangerous uh, for rutgers and you know just having a senior guard because you know it, it doesn't matter how talented you are as a freshman there's a learning curve when you get to college basketball and i think having a veteran like jeremiah williams to lean on um you know for dylan harper especially as a guard i think that's going to be very valuable for him next year so i think that that beyond just the potential of what this season could ultimately turn into, I think that's the most encouraging thing because, um, you know, good, talented veteran players who can not only be big impact players for your team in their own right, but also mentor a promising young freshman of that caliber. It's not as easy as, oh, just go get one in the portal, you know, because there aren't that many of them mm-hmm. out there in any given year, and they're not that easy to get to come to your particular school. So having one on the roster already, I think that's a huge advantage that I think Steve Peichel and the coaching staff already have in their pocket. And I think that, you know, has to give you a little bit of confidence if you Rutgers moving forward.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know what, Jeremiah is also a guy that's really well liked by the team. Um, there's a the chemistry there and you can see it on the court. I mean, these guys are generally happy for him when he when he got his chance to finally make it back and play. And, uh, you know, it, it, chemistry is a lot when it comes to it. When you have a guy like that, you know, it's kind of a glue guy that, that really helps. So, um, you know, Without looking too far ahead, you know, Thursday night, uh, Northwestern comes to Jersey Mike's Arena. And I I think that's a real key game if we can continue talking about – um, you know, the potential NCAA tournament run, because if you lose that, you're really fighting an uphill battle. But it's a home game. Uh, it's against a good team. Uh, it's a team that Rutgers has beaten in the past that matches up well with. And, and and you know, if that if that Jersey Mike's arena can come alive and Rutgers can win that game, I think it sets up great momentum to go on the road at Minnesota Sunday, which Minnesota is not an easy place to play either. And, and they're playing some pretty decent basketball. So that's going to be a tough game. And then you go to Purdue. Uh, if you could take one of those two, it's it's a it's a win. But I think it really uh, a lot will hinge on on this run with with that Northwestern game because you have Maryland at home, Michigan at home. Um, you know they, they you look at it and say they should be wins, but I think that Northwestern game is the key to this stretch run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because Northwestern, in addition to you know, it, it's a high end quad two game, right? So Northwestern is you know uh, not a quad one game, but a better Quad two team, one that if you beat by you know a comfortable margin, it will help your tournament metrics beyond just you know quad wins and, and the like. Um, but it's also important because Rutgers also needs more wins against teams that are in the tournament field. And Northwestern, right. I think, when all said and done, is going to be one of those teams in the tournament field, even if it's not a quad mm-hmm. one game per se, uh, which it would be if it were in Evanston, but it's at uh, Jersey Mike's Arena. Um, so I think that's another big one. And this is a really good Northwestern team. I mean, you look at you know Boo Boo, who I think is playing as good as you know, any backcourt player in the Big Ten right now. And, and you know, just a dynamic talent and, and some good pieces around him as well. Uh, you know, a veteran-heavy group. So it's just, it's it's a team that's not going to be an easy out by any means. Uh, and I think it will, not quite to the same level as Wisconsin, because it's not a ranked team, but I think to a, a certain extent, it will, you know, sort of put Rutgers more on the radar of the national college basketball scene and say, hey, there might be something brewing here. Three-game win streak coming in before straight heading to Minnesota. Um, And, of course, Minnesota is a tricky place to play. I think Rutgers will be the first to tell you that. Um, You know, last two years haven't been able to get wins uh, in Minnesota. Uh, I was on hand for the first of those two for WRSU two years ago. So I can tell you firsthand it's a weird place to play. It's a weird place to broadcast to. That's another story for another time. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it it does. That Northwestern game really sets up if you get the win. If you're Rutgers, uh, it really does set you up nicely down the stretch.
0: And, you know, right now, Chris, 17 and seven, this Northwestern team, but 13 of those wins have come at home. They're 13 and one at home, just two and five on the road, which, you know, you have to feel good about that if you're Rutgers. And then if you look at their remaining schedule, you know, they're at Indiana, they host Michigan, they're at Maryland, they host Iowa, they're at Michigan State, and then they host Minnesota. You know, you're looking at a, probably a 20 team win or 20 win team here uh, at a minimum. So, um, you know, it, it, it's really a resume booster. It's a momentum booster. Uh, brings them one step closer to, to that magic number, which I, I, I said it was six. I don't know if that's accurate, but uh, that's what I was sticking to. But, um, you know, it, it, it'll just help in so many ways. And and I think, you know, getting that place rocking will, will help matters as well. If, if, if they can get something brewing there early, um, you know, it, it, it's setting up for a good night for Rutgers. But again, such a pivotal game.
1: Yeah, Bobby, and uh, Bart Torvik has uh, Northwestern projected to finish regular season 21-10, and 12-8 in Big Ten play. So, you know, again, is, uh, likely to be above a 20-win team when all is said and done. So, you know, I think Rutgers, to get that win, would be really important. And to not get that win would make things just that much harder um, to really climb out of that hole and get back in the NCAA tournament picture. But I, I'll tell you one thing. I think Jersey Mike Serena is going to be absolutely – on the edge of its seat, ready to blow the roof off uh, from the minute. You know, the fan base is really back into it now, and I think that is, is going to be encouraging if you're looking for that home court advantage. And, you know, I think it's just going to be a good game, and I think that it's a really tantalizing opportunity for the Scarlet Knights.
0: Yeah, good point. And, you know, we've talked about Jeremiah Williams. Who would you say would be the key player for you to uh, to keep an eye on who has to be an impactful player for this team to maybe make it to that NCAA tournament and finish really strong in these final eight games?
1: I would have to say Cliff Amore. And I think mm-hmm. it's encouraging because Cliff Amore looked as good as I've seen him this year in that win over Wisconsin. And he had a really good relationship. And it was one of the things that really struck me watching that game against Wisconsin is almost all of Jeremiah Williams' first half assists were to Cliff Amore. And he was finding Cliff in good spaces. Of course, he had that one play on the lob on the first play of the game that really got everything going. But it just looked like you know they were on the same page. And that's something that I think Rutgers has missed this year. I think it's one of the reasons why Cliff Amore you know, hasn't quite been able to be as productive this year on the offensive side. And I think having Jeremiah Williams back puts him in position to be a more impactful player. Cliff Amore he's not a guy that can necessarily, you know, get 20 a night on his post moves. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a guard like Jeremiah Williams who can facilitate and set up for him, he doesn't have to. You know, he can get him in good mm-hmm. positions. He can get dunks. He can get those close at the rim opportunities. And he can be a really impactful player because he is a really good uh, defender on the other end, on the interior. And he's going to be an impactful player. Rutgers needs him to be an impactful player. If they're going to go on this run that we're talking about.
0: And, and you've made some good points because I think in one of the preceding podcasts, we talked about how cliff wasn't getting those, those easy buckets like he did last year. And, and it was a, a you know, a, a product of the guard play and, and he just wasn't getting those lobs, those assists, those openings. And now all of a sudden Jeremiah Williams comes back and, and, and space opens up on the floor and he's getting some of those. And, and um, it seems like it's just contagious you know this team is just starting to to hit its stride and one more thing you know jeremiah williams is is three games in he hasn't played it was what 700 and some odd days between games and then he comes in and and he makes an impact right away so each game, he's probably going to get more of his footing and and get a better feel. And you'll see some of those, you know, the the, the turnovers go down and, and just, you know, getting out there and getting a feel for it and actually playing in a game. It's a lot different from practice. Uh, I don't care how intense it is. So I think you're going to see him get better as the season goes on, which which is really a good sign for Rutgers.
1: Yeah, and I think that was the other thing that really stood out to me with Jeremiah Williams was that, you know, He hadn't played in two years. Even when he got cleared, okay, he's been practicing. He's obviously healthy, you know, back with the team and whatnot. I was not expecting him to come out of the gate, you know, full blast the way that he has. I thought it would take a few games for him to really get his footing underneath because, like you said, Bobby, he hadn't played um, in almost two calendar years uh, when you count for him missing all last season. Um, So for him to have the uh, impactful start from the get-go, you know, I think that is, you know, really encouraging. It tells you the best might very well be yet to come for him. Um, and I think if you're a Rutgers fan, you got to be excited. And, you know, this is someone who, you know, again, two years of eligibility after this year, you know, he's someone who you can even build around for the future, not just necessarily a plug-and-play guy. So I, I think you have to be really excited with this addition and you know what it means for Rutgers going forward. The guy's coming off an Achilles too. So (laughs) you just put that on top
0: of it. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's an even greater success story. But um, yeah, definitely more enjoyable to watch. Uh, Jersey Mike's Arena is back. Rutgers basketball is back. And it should be a fun run. Anything else you want to add, Chris, before we cut this one?
1: Yeah, one more note on the bracketology um, note here. Uh, I think if Rutgers is going to get itself back in, And, you know, just, you know, talking and looking at bracketology and people who've been, you know, on this for a couple of years. One thing is, if you're Rutgers, you don't want to have to rely on a Big Ten tournament run to get in, right? Right. Because, the committee has shown in recent years that we've seen bubble teams like Texas A&M a couple of years back go on deep runs in their conference tournaments, pick up some good wins, and then ultimately get left out anyway. And, you know, I think if you're Rutgers, if you're not on the right side of the bubble, um, you know, when that Big Ten tournament opens up in Minneapolis uh, next month, you're going to have to be under the assumption of we got to win this tournament. And I think that really has to be the mentality if you're Rutgers. So the goal for the next eight games, the final eight games, should be to not be in that position in the first place. And I think Rutgers has an opportunity to do that. Yeah, Good
0: points. Good points all around. Well, Chris, thank you for your insight. Thank you for your coverage of the team. Um, you can converse with myself or Chris at any time on the 24-7 sports message boards on scarletnation.com. We're there talking Rutgers basketball, Rutgers football, Rutgers recruiting, all things Rutgers. So for Chris Sakonis, I'm Bobby Duran. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.